bless you all this, this evening. Why don't we start off? I just been having the song go through my my mind today. So see the bright light shine. It's just about home time. Eight sixty four. There's a light in the window. Bye. 
Yeah.
prayer tonight. We got a few unspoken prayer requests, one for our sister, uh, Barb Sharman, and then another from a, a sister who streams the services, Sister Angela. She also has an unspoken prayer request brought in for us tonight. Prayer request from our sister, Rachel Matul. Uh, pray for the congestion that will break for our brother, Mark Matul. Amen. Let's just go to prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this wonderful opportunity to be in your presence. We thank you for the services we were able to be in, and uh, Lord Jesus Christ, we are here again to hear from you, Jesus Christ. We, we went through many different things during the week, but Jesus Christ, we are here by your grace, and we want to take this opportunity, Jesus Christ, to receive every blessing that comes from hearing your word. Lord Jesus Christ, I uh, bring you this request. I remember all of them, but Jesus Christ, when you are here, you are the answer of every request, every every burden, every everything we, we need, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, I I ask you in your holy name, Jesus Christ, to be the answer of this request, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to commit your servant as he's going to preach. Jesus Christ, we want to see him more than we see him, Jesus Christ. Be with him, anoint him more than you ever anointed him, Jesus Christ. Also that we want the same anointing upon every single person tonight Jesus Christ. We want to commit the whole service in your hands. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have a few announcements this evening. I believe we have a, a picture for one of them. Our brother John and sister Victoria Walner would like to announce the arrival of their baby boy, Philip Uriah Walner, May 9th, 8 pounds, 15 ounces. The family is doing well. Amen. We also have an announcement for the work bee Saturday, um, May 14th. Uh, it starts at 9.30, but Brother Mike said, you can come earlier if you want to. So, um, Also, um, for next Saturday, May 21st, for the young people, um, uh, we, we found out today that some people weren't getting an email, so we'll, we'll make the announcement. And the deadline was for today, but we'll make that Friday um, for the, the get-together and the, the lunch for the young people on May 21st in between services. Just let the office and Sister Megan know if you will be attending. Let's sing, let the worshipers arise. Amen. We came to worship him tonight. Amen. Oh, Father, I see that you are drawing. 
as, let's just sing this song as Brother Tim comes, amen. Let's just worship him tonight. Oh, God will not reject your prayer. Oh, pray makes you
be in the house of the Lord this evening. We love to worship Him because He's worthy of all praise, all glory, and all honor. And I've been away a little bit. I just want to bring you greetings uh, this evening. Uh, previous Sunday, this past Sunday was in Edmonton. The previous Sunday was in Phoenix with Brother Aaron McGarry, and he wanted to be sure to greet the saints. And so he give you greetings from Brother Aaron McGeary and the wonderful church there. The Lord gave us wonderful meetings, just a phenomenal uh, presence of the Lord there amongst the people there. And we just thank God for the meetings there. And this past weekend, we were with the saints in Edmonton as they commemorated the life of their pastor who had gone to his reward having crossed over. It reminds us that life is but a vapor. It reminds us that rewards are gained here and that a life lived here as Brother Hildebrandt lived his life. We're so grateful for that life that was lived for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was during my time there and actually leading up to it that I kind of felt to take a subject that I am taking this evening. Uh, but before I go into the subject, I, I just want to um, I want to just mention a couple things from the mission field. Um, you can just maybe play. We'll sing one more song. You can just play. Uh, uh, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. You know, uh, you remember that when I was in Uganda in November. You don't need to put the words up yet. I'll have the video first. And uh, the, the saints from the north came down a very remote area called Karamoja. And uh, there in Karamoja, they had uh, about 8,000 believers, but they had not a single message book. And they were burdened to translate the message into their language. And, uh, and so I brought the burden home and saints stepped forward to fund that translation work and as of right now we have 40 translations on the go in that language six of them have been completed two of them have been printed and while I was in in Phoenix uh, I got a video from a short video from Karamuja brother Basabozi took those two books and delivered them into the hands of the people if you could just put that it's only about 10 seconds long Put that up on the screen for us and let the people see. Here they are receiving the first books in their language in the Karamuja region. Praise be to God. Isn't that wonderful? What would it be if, if it was the first time you laid your eyes on a message in English? After you heard about the message, you heard God sent a prophet, they preached it to you. There's a message, but now you can read the message. And they actually got two titles there, Seed of Discrepancy and To Whom Shall We Go was the first two titles that were finished and delivered. And so we praise God for that. And we thank God for the translators. They're busily, busily working on that. And I also want to mention one other thing before we go to the Word tonight. We've started a new language. Um, it was appropriate that Brother Ellie prayed tonight. Uh, Brother Ellie's been burdened for his uh, country. His country was originally uh, 
I don't know, what was the original name of it, Brother Ellie, when both countries were together? Rwanda, Burundi. Rundi. Rwanda, Rundi. All right. Easy for you to say. And, uh, you know, they, they had a, a bitter civil war and many people were killed and the country divided into two countries along uh, ethnic grounds. And the country now that Brother uh, Eli is from is Rwanda. And, and with Brother Eli's help, we put a team of translators together and they have over 300 translations in their language now. We praise God for that. But he also was burdened for the believers in the Burundi, uh, in the country now of Burundi is what it's called, the other country. And uh, they are also in need. And so they have been in contact. He's, he was able to make contact with some ministers there. And so we have just begun the, what's called the Kirundi language. Uh, and that is, is it Kirundi or Chirundi? Kirundi. And, uh, and the first translation on the message hub in the Kirundi language was just published today. So we praise God for that as well. Amen. Amen. This is not a one-man message, but God uses men. And that's really the subject tonight. So why don't we stand? There is none. relationships in life we have many connections as it were in this world and someone sometimes Lord one of our dear friends like brother Henry Waldner or brother Harold Hildebrandt are taken beyond the curtain of time and we temporarily lose connection but Lord one day we'll reconnect with them one day Lord we'll reminisce once again at the marriage supper of the Lamb of the great things which you have done. And Lord, as we're gathered tonight, though, we want to say, Lord, of all the relationships, there's none like you, O oh God. You're everything to us, Lord. Lord, you're not just a thought, you're a person. Lord, you make yourself real to individuals. And Lord, I thank you that one day you made yourself real to me. Lord, you came by my way and revealed yourself. And Lord, as we come to the word this evening, I pray, Lord, that you'll just anoint your word afresh to us. 
Lord, take this vessel, uh, uh, whatever gift that you put in it, Lord, is of you, that you might minister to your people, that you might take the man, that you might take the gift, and that you might speak your word to your bride. And so, Lord, we just want to get ourselves out of the way and let you, Father, lead this service the way that you would have it to go. We give ourselves into your hands, asking your blessing upon the reading of the word and the speaking of it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus tonight. Exodus chapter 26 is where we'll begin reading. Appreciate that song, Worship the Lord. Heard it all afternoon, or all morning actually. My two-year-old loves that song. Worship the Lord. She'd just go around the house yelling at, uh, singing at the top of her lungs, Worship the Lord. Amen. And I hear her in my office and all of that. So praise the Lord. She's setting the atmosphere for the studying today. And uh, we appreciate that. Better that than some kind of nursery rhyme or something, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 26. I want it, my title tonight is God Hidden Behind Badger Skins. God Hidden Behind Badger Skins. In chapter 26 of Exodus. Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet with cherubim of cunning work shalt thou make them. We'll jump down to verse 7 just to save time. And thou shalt make curtains of goat's hair to be a covering upon the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shalt thou make. And verse 14. And thou shalt make a covering for the tent of ram's skins dyed red and a covering above of badger skins. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. I spoke last time on the breath of heaven and showing the Holy Ghost power within the believer and the potentials of it if we can just get ourselves out of the way. We can just uh, keep the flesh and the spirit under the anointing of the word. And, and we realize that, the, that it is a, a, a very difficult proposition many times to keep ourselves out of the picture. Okay, I got two amens on that one. It's very difficult sometimes to keep our flesh away out of the picture, you know, because we're made certain way. You know, some of us are fighters and uh, that's our nature, our natural nature, or our personality, you might say, or the way we, we kind of grew up. And because of that, we have a, a, a natural propensity that in the heat of the battle, we want to blast everybody. And, and, you know, we just want to let everybody have it because as nature is a fighter. Some of us are more timid and, and we're not fighters and we avoid confrontation. And, and, and sometimes when something needs to be said, we're very timid and don't want to say it. And, and so we hold back and, and, and we, uh, we don't think we have anything worth saying and we don't think we have anything worth doing. It's just sometimes the way we're made. But those are just natural uh, makeups of people that really we have to keep subject to the Word of God. doesn't matter whether you're on one end of the spectrum or the other end of the spectrum. And I was thinking that it's, you know, as we think about our life with God, that it's interesting because we realize that God knows us. He knows our makeup. 
He even in, Brother Branham says, is it in unveiling of God, Brother Tom? I can ask him lots of questions about this because it turns out he's in the same message that I am. But, uh, you know, Brother Branham says there's a certain makeup he makes to bring even our vessel into existence. Uh, it might not be in unveiling God. It might be in another message. I was just reading the quote today. And Brother Branham was saying there's a certain amount of iron and a certain amount of brass and a certain amount of different ingredients that goes into a bell to get a certain sound out of it. Now, whatever is behind the bell that makes it sound is what brings the sound. But nevertheless, the bell has to have a certain makeup. And we have to have a certain makeup. And God made us that way. He brought our great-grandparents and our grandparents and our parents together. And he watched over our lineage so that we would have a certain something within our lives that would, that would be available for God to use. All right, that's the key. Because a bell doesn't sound itself. A bell has to have someone to ring the bell. And so are we as believers. God has made us a certain way, but God doesn't want us to sound ourselves. He wants us to allow the Holy Spirit behind us to bring the sound out that He wants to bring from our lives. There's nothing hidden from God. He knows all about us. He knows us better than we know ourselves, but... He hides himself. While he knows all about us, we don't know all about him. Amen. And he hides himself in simplicity. And he reveals himself to whom he would, as Jesus said, I thank you, Father, that thou hast hid these things from the eyes of the wise and prudent. Peter says in 1 Peter, he says, the, this great salvation that we had, the prophets of old desired to look into. And so there's, there's mysteries and things that are revealed in due season that God makes known about himself. And really, he's unveiling himself. He's revealing thoughts and revealing truths about himself in due season at a specific time because he wants to make himself known. Many times people have an idea, well, I think this about God. I think God thinks this way. And I always ask myself when somebody says that, what made you think that? Did God come to you and reveal himself to you? You know, when Moses was on the mountain and God was revealing the mysteries of how Moses would set up worship and what Moses would write in the books of first five books of the Bible and all of those things, even the mysteries of Genesis and creation and how God dealt with Abraham and all of those things. When Moses penned those things, it was God revealing those mysteries to him. Understand what I'm saying? It wasn't something that Moses thought, well, you know, I think God was thinking this, or I think God was thinking that. No, God revealed himself to Moses. And Moses wrote it in a book so that we would understand what God was thinking. God reveals himself to spiritual men, and God reveals himself to you personally through his word that you might comprehend his thoughts. Amen. It's not important what we think about God. It's important what he reveals about himself. Now let me just take a moment here just to describe the tabernacle for you. Because it was God that revealed the tabernacle to Moses. And described to him exactly how he was to build it. Because it was a reflection of something. And the tabernacle, there's one aspect of the tabernacle that makes it unique from the temple. And that is badger skins there's no badger skins in the temple 
only in the tabernacle. There was four layers of covering that we've just read. And, and the first was linen. The second was uh, goat's hair. The third was ram skins. And the fourth was badger skins. And the badger skins was the outermost covering. So that when people looked at the tabernacle from a distance. Or looked at it from the outside. Not the priesthood that would go into the holy place and the holiest of holies. But from the outside, the tabernacle just looked like Badger skins. Not, not a very attractive something. Badger skins is just a leather, a type of leather. It's a very hardy garment that, or not garment, but material like leather. They, there's a debate of what it actually means, where it comes from, and that's not really important. Uh, the important part is, is it was animal skins. And, and the animal skins were sewed together. It wasn't just one big skin, but it was sewed together. God bless you, Brother George. I didn't think you were going to be here tonight. Sorry, I just saw him. And uh, these badger skins that were sewed together were put together as a covering. It was many, a many-membered badger skin, if we could say it that way. And each badger skin might have been unique in itself. And it was unique. Anybody that's hunted and, and, and got the leather from the animal or the animal skin and maybe tanned it or did something, whether it be a bear skin or a moose skin or, or something else, elk or whatever, you know, every, each one is unique. Each one has its unique markings. Each one has its unique characteristics. And each one, when it was brought together, and I want to just make this uh, abundant now, Moses and the children of Israel now, I'm sorry, I'm talking so fast, I'm missing words. Uh, I want to make it abundantly clear something. When Moses and the children of Israel were told, make badger skins, in the previous chapter, God said, Moses, take up an offering. And in the offerings, the people are to offer badger skins. That was one of the things that was to be offered because God was going to use badger skins. And Brother Branham, in the message, Unveiling of God, he says, badger skins is like a human vessel. All right? It's like who we are. It's our outer man that has certain characteristics. And, it's, and the children, to the children of Israel, it was something they already had. It was something that was common. It was something that was useful. In Ezekiel, I think it's, God describes it as being footwear. For the, for the bride or to Israel at that time. He says, I shod you with badger skins. All right? So, so it's leather like you would put into a shoe. Pretty tough stuff. But it was for a purpose in that there would be an environment. There would be times in Israel that it would rain on the tabernacle. There would be times that it would be very hot and the sun would beat down on the tabernacle. There would be times that it would be windy. And it would blow against the tabernacle. And so they needed something very sturdy to withstand the elements or the conditions that the tabernacle was going to be in. And God gives us our makeup for the purpose that he calls us to. We are made to withstand the conditions that God has ordained that we would be in. You see, we were made a certain way to be in a certain place. That's why it's important as believers that we be in our place. 
Because if you were not made for a certain thing, Brother Branham talks about a bird, an eagle. He says a hawk is not made like an eagle, and a dove is not made like an eagle, and a, a crow is not made like an eagle. An eagle can soar higher than the other birds. If the other birds tried to soar where the eagle soared, it would just blow up. Because they're not made for that pressure, or in that case, lack of pressure up in the sky. So we're all made for a purpose. God has designed us and God has made us for a certain way. But sometimes, you know, those badger skins hide something that is very precious on the inside. The badger skins themselves don't look very, very good, but, they, but they're what God used. Sometimes we might look at our own selves, not our looks as far as whether we're handsome or not or beautiful or not, not that kind of a look. But we might look at ourselves, our lives, our experiences, our scars, as it were, our, our things that we've been through and wonder, what use am I? But you see, God wants you just to give him your badger skin. It's just something that we can offer to him as a part of the tabernacle. It's not how pretty the badger skin is. It's what's hidden inside the badger skin. Thank you. Moses come to the place in his life where he thought he had nothing to contribute. He looked at his loss of ability after he'd been 40 years out on the desert. But God, when he spoke to Moses in Exodus 3 and 4, wasn't concerned about what Moses had or what Moses didn't have. It was what Moses was called to do. And he, God wanted Moses... I want you to see yourself here. God wanted Moses to rest himself in the calling of God. Not in his ability, but in the calling of God. Not in his badger skin, but what was to be beneath the badger skin. All right. In Exodus 3, God says to Moses in verse 10, he says, Come now, therefore, I'll send you unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. We, we quote this, I'm sorry, I just am the way I am, and I just felt to really deal with something tonight as the Lord burdened my heart with it. You know, Moses met the pillar of fire in the burning bush. Is that right? How many other people met the pillar of fire in the burning bush? None. Many met the pillar of fire, all right? But the pillar fire in the bush in that particular experience was Moses alone. Nobody had ever seen it before. Moses did not see the bush burning in the distance to say, oh, that's God. He didn't say, oh, you know, you know what, I'm going to go worship. No, he just saw a bush that was burning. It was something that was unique, unheard of. He had never experienced it before. He saw that it was burning, but that it kept burning, and it kept burning, and it kept burning. And here's this bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. And so uh, it, it grabbed his attention. God has a way of getting our attention. 
And, and he went to, to the bush, and as he drew nigh, of course, God says, take off your shoes, for the ground whereon you stand is holy ground. So God begins to deal with him and says, come now, therefore, I'll send you to Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. It was not exactly what Moses was thinking of doing that day. Hello? It changed in a moment. He was thinking sheep. He was thinking shepherding. He was thinking economics. He was thinking maybe he was tired or maybe he needed something to drink or he was thinking something else. But now he heard a voice that says, the plan for your life has changed. All right, come and God, and I'm going to send you down to Egypt. And Moses says, who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh. That's what we all say, right? Who am I that I should answer the call of God? And he says that I should bring forth the children of Israel. And he said, and God said, certainly I'll be with you. This shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people of, out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. That's for chapter 3, chapter 4. Moses answers and says, but they won't believe me, nor will they hearken to me. Unto my voice, for they'll say, the Lord has not appeared unto thee. And then he goes, God deals with him again. And then Moses says again, oh, Lord, I'm not eloquent. Neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. And God said, who hath made man's mouth? Or maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, I'll be with thy mouth. And teach thee what you shall say. And then Moses, he doesn't respond very well. He says, oh my Lord, I pray thee, send I pray thee by the hand of whom thou will send. In other words, surely there's someone else better equipped for the job. And the next, next verse says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Why? Because Moses was looking at the badger skin. Moses was looking at the ability. Moses was looking at himself. But Moses was called to look at what God was putting inside of him. What God would put in. God sent Aaron to help him speak, but God still chose Moses. Now in the message, perfect faith. And this is, this whole service tonight is based on one phrase the Lord dropped in my heart last week. God uses man. Amen. Brother Bram uses that phrase three times, I found out. Brother, in the message, Perfect Faith, he says, the reason I believe those visions is because it's always declared to be the truth because it comes from the word, see. Then if he says it, that settles it. Now, when it's declared like that, there's no more guesswork. It's going to be. Then you hear it, thus saith the Lord. Speak, because it's beyond human thinking. It's up into the realms of the Lord's thinking. But you're standing here just as the branch producing the fruit that's in the vine. See, and then he makes a statement. God uses men and men only. God doesn't use machinery. God doesn't use groups of men. God doesn't use organizations. God uses 
individuals always. You see, without Moses, there's no tabernacle. We could describe Israel being gathered around the tabernacle. We could describe all of the different facets of the tabernacle and, the, and what they represent, even the three courts of the tabernacle really being a representation of God dwelling in a human being. And, and we, could, we could describe the tribes of Israel arranged around the tabernacle and the different signs of the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. And, and all of these things we could see arrayed. But without Moses, there's none of that. Hello? This is how God operates. God uses men and men only. You see, Moses was to be veiled and to receive the word into his heart and become, uh, become so uh, yielded to God and surrender to God that there would actually come a time, and I may be getting a bit ahead of myself, but there would actually come a time that Moses would need to put on a veil. Because the veil, because when he was up on the mountain receiving the instructions for the tabernacle, receiving the instructions for the way that worship was to be said in order to be, to receive the instruction really for his life's ministry. As God began to equip him and God began to put him into his place and God began to show him exactly how to operate and, and God trained Moses exactly to follow the commandments of God. All of those things as Moses was up on the mountain, he comes down from the mountain when his face began to shine. Now, now there's something that Brother Brown's very specific about here. He says his face shone because the word was in him. Sometimes we think his face shone because of the experience of being in the presence of the Lord. That wasn't it. He was in the presence of the Lord at the burning bush, but his face didn't shine. But when he went up on the mountain, God put the word into him. And as when God put the word into him, then that word in Moses caused his face to glow in front of the people. And Moses didn't even know it was glowing. And yet that the people recognized him, so they had to put a veil upon his face so that they would not only not see the glowing, but they would not see when the glowing stopped. So there was a twofold purpose in that. And so God was, was establishing something here in that it wasn't his purpose in redemption to just live in a tabernacle of goat skins and ram skins and linen and a badger skin, naturally speaking, but his purpose was to live in human vessels. His purpose was to live in you and me. His purpose was to declare his glory within our lives. And to do that, he would do one thing in that he would put his word into his people. That's the only way that he would do it. If people can say, well, you've got to have this kind of an experience or that kind of experience. And that's all wonderful. I'm all for having experiences with God. I've had many of them myself. But that didn't produce the glow. It was only the word of God coming into him that produced the shining on his face. It was the word of God coming into him that produced the glory. Brother Random says in perfect strength, let me go back to the weakness of Moses for a second. He says, seeing the need of the day, Moses with his intellectual powers and his ability that he had to do with, he was a smart man, he was a coming pharaoh, he had psychology, he had power, he had physical strength, he had everything. He said, I'm well equipped, speaking of 40 years previously, 
I, I know it all. If there's a man in the land that's able to do it, I'm able to do it. So I'm the man of the hour. So I'll step out. He went out to accomplish a work that was right and in the will of God. He offered his natural abilities and God refused it. He couldn't use one thing Moses had. He says, say, well, brother, I can preach. He can't use you as long as you can preach. I'm glad for that quote. That's all right. I can do this. I can do that. You can't do nothing. Well, then God can't use it. But if you yield yourself to God and let him do it. Amen. Amen. You cannot depend on your natural abilities. So Moses coming down from the mountain. I'm going to do it, Brother Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> Brother Brown said in unveiling of God, let me stop here for a moment. I had to bring my book because I was just pondering these things this afternoon and I felt it on my heart. Pick up the book. Not eat the book, but read the book. <laughs> and I was reading through it and I, I just... Right at the beginning, right after his opening scripture, Brother Brown says, my subject this morning, I trust that God will reveal this, is an unveiling of God. He says, and each time if you who takes tapes and listen, I hope and trust that you've had a spiritual understanding of what God has been trying to get over to the church without saying it right out. It's the thing sometimes we have to say things in a way that it might thin down. It might bring some to go out, some to leave, and some to ponder over. But that's done purposely. It must be done that way. Then it might be that some would say, you mean God would purposely do a thing like that? He certainly did, and he does yet. Amen. So what we're speaking on tonight is something God wants you to know. And so Brother Branham says in the unveiling of God, he says, Moses coming forth, his face shines so. The word was in him, ready to be manifested, give out to the people. The true word, God had wrote it, and it was with Moses. Notice it was with Moses and was ready to be manifested. He was the word to them. He was the living word, hid veiled himself. Moses had to put a veil over his own face. Why? He was the word. Until that word was made known, Moses had to veil himself. Amen. Do you see it? Wherever the word is, it's veiled. You see, I'm sitting here talking to a bunch of veils. I'm talking to a bunch of badger skins, but within those badger skins is the word. If you have received the word, if you have been quickened by the word of your hour, it's that word within you that if God would take the veil off, if God would take the badger skin off, people would see a glowing that's going on. People would see a great light that's resident within the lives of the believers. And so that word that was in Moses, the, God was showing that the purpose of it had to be brought into the physical realm through Moses. 
I want you to catch this now. God had a redemptive purpose in that he wanted Israel to worship through the tabernacle and then through the temple. But God had to bring that into existence through a specific vessel. So it had to be that eternal realm, that supernatural realm of God coming down to a man that was specifically made for that purpose so that that man can speak that word. And bring that word into manifestation. And all of a sudden Israel would find a raid to, with them. All of the word and all of the mysteries of God that were just laid out in front of them. They didn't know there was to be a tabernacle. They didn't know there was to be an ark of the covenant. They didn't know there was to be an altar of incense. They didn't know there was to be an altar of sacrifice. They didn't know all these things, uh, the, the showbread and the labor and all of these things. But Moses brought it into existence after the pattern that he saw in heaven. There's a pattern for your life in heaven. You're a part of God's redemptive purpose. You're a part of the bride of Jesus Christ in Laodicea. And God can only work that purpose out by revealing himself to you personally. Not to a church. God doesn't use organizations. Not to groups of men. But to individuals. God revealing himself and using individuals. So Brother Branham says Moses was the veil. The living word of God was veiled behind human flesh. The pillar of fire was in Moses speaking what was to be veiled later behind skins. Amen. So they built this tabernacle. And they... They put the structure together there in the wilderness. And God came down behind the veil and dwelt in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies between the cherubim. But they didn't see God between the cherubim. They didn't see the Shekinah glory. They saw the badger skins. But they had to believe that God was behind that badger skin. And that was the hard part. I'm sure many times the devil would come to many in Israel and tell them, he's not really back there. Why are you praying? Why are you offering? He's not really there. But he was there. And the devil says that to each and every one of us. And he says that about us, about, to us, about each other. That's not really God behind that badger skin. Because we often have trouble looking past the badger skin and seeing God. Amen. I'm glad I got a few amens on that. I didn't want to be all alone on that one. We look at each other. I'll, I'll say it this way. We look at the preacher. And we say, oh... You know, the preacher says something in a way that we don't like it because that's the badger skin. And then we look at that and say, God's not really behind that badger skin. Be careful. Be careful. Because he's really there. If he ever was there, he said he'd never leave there. Amen. 
Sometimes preachers can say things that offend us. That offend us. And we're quiet on that one. Okay. All right. I maybe move on. And so I realize that, that we need to be careful about God behind badger skins. One day that tabernacle would be no more. And when that tabernacle was no more, they erected a temple, but then the temple was destroyed too. And, and the nation of Israel and the Jews would wander in foreign countries and different things. But they would look back and they would remember a God that led them in the wilderness. And they would look back and they, say, they would say, God really was behind those badger skins. That was really God. Why would they say that? Because they saw the works that took place. That the God that was with Moses led them through the wilderness. The God that was with Moses parted the Red Sea. The God that was with Moses brought water from the rock. The God that was with Moses brought manna from heaven. The God that was with Moses struck down the Egyptians. The God that was with Moses uh, dealt with them with a mighty hand. It was God. And it's easy to look back, and, I, and I, I just was thinking of it this way. It's easy to look back and say, well, you know, after the badger skin is gone, then we say, truly that was God behind that badger skin once it's gone. But it's much harder to say, well, the badger skin is here. That truly is God behind that badger skin. And we need to catch that revelation in the day that we're living in. Brother Branham says in the unfailing realities of God, he says, what we need today is men and women who want a reality, not a creed, a reality. That's what the world needs today is not creeds and fashions. We need realities in God. He says, the other night I said to some friends who's present now, a group of them, we went out here to see this Samson and Delilah. It was a, a film that was... It came out in that day similar by the same maker that made, I think, the Ten Commandments. And he says, I begin to wonder what God ever seen in a guy like Samson. Amen? You ever wondered that? Brother Branham wondered that. He says, that was quite a badger skin. He talked about, he, he says, in the days of the judges, he says, see, God uses men. Do you believe that? He can only use men when he can find men, when he can find somebody that he can use. There was a space in the days of judges, he couldn't find a man. Only thing he could do was just raise one up. And so he'd go some way and then raise up another one and he'd go some way. He had no man that he could put, absolutely put emphatic confidence in. But God couldn't break his pattern. He had to use a man. He would use a Samson. He would use a Gideon. He would use a Barak. He would use different ones because God uses men. God uses individuals, not groups of men. Amen. Not organizations. Not all of those things. And, and so when Jesus come on the scene, the Word made flesh Himself, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the mind of God being made flesh, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but yet in Him was no beauty that we should desire Him. 
There was a badger skin on the outside that he even made himself of no reputation, the scripture says. There wasn't anything that he tried to declare he was greater than anybody else. He just did what God told him to do. The God in him used that vessel that was so made for God to dwell in in his fullness. It was the mighty God veiled in flesh in that day. Can you say amen to that? You know, Jesus said to Peter in John 14, when Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it suffices us. Jesus said, have I been so long with you and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And yet how sayest then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. All right, so he's describing, you know, something that was repeated is, you know, for what good work did they crucify him? You know, for what that he did? And, and, and they said, well, we don't crucify him for any works, but rather we crucify him because he makes himself equal with God. But he was God. And the works declared that he was God. He forgave their sins. He healed their sick. He raised the dead. It was God manifested in flesh, but they were stumbled by the veil. But yet when that veil went to, went to Calvary and, the, and, and hung on the cross and the sky went black and the earth shook and the centurion, that unbelieving uh, uh, reprobate of a centurion standing there saw all of these signs. When the badger skin was about to drop into the grave and the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom, he looked at all of the signs and he said, truly that was the Son of God. They couldn't see it when the badger skin was still there, but when the badger skin, the life left the badger skin, then they could declare, oh, we made a mistake. It's too late. was too late. And that, that life that was in him came back behind skins on the day of Pentecost. It was that same life, the bride part, that was separated out of him at Calvary to come into the church through seven church ages and came into them on the day of Pentecost behind skins once again. And they come out of the upper room speaking in languages and tongues that the people began to recognize. And they appeared to be drunk as they were staggering and stammering. And, and they wondered what was going on. And, and Peter says, these men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophets. Amen. This is that word now become flesh in your day. This is the promise that was made hundreds of years ago, now become embodied behind skins. This is the word that came from the eternity, that was the Logos, that came into the mouth of a prophet, that was spoken, that was penned down so you could read it, now has become alive again. That eternal part is living in vessels. It's God behind those veils. It's a lick of fire behind each veil. It's a part of the pillar fire behind each veil. God was declaring himself to that generation. And 3,000 people were quickened to the fact that this is a move of God in our day. And the, and the life of it came behind their veils. But Brother Branham says the Jews cannot understand 
how God could have mercy upon a sinful, foul people like we are. But they couldn't see this one who was giving mercy because he was hid. He was behind the mercy seat on the inside with badger skins hanging down, covering him. The Jews couldn't understand how the gospel would go to the Gentiles, but it did. The Jews didn't understand how God could even come behind the vessel of Jesus. If I had time, which I don't, I would read some tremendous quotes out of the unveiling of God. And Brother Brown describing how Jesus was the veil. Some phenomenal statements that you won't find anywhere else. Just describing, and Brother Bram saying, I'm trying to get something to you, and I hope you can understand it. It's what God has been trying to get to us all alone, that it's God behind veils. It's God revealing himself, hiding himself, and revealing himself in simplicity. And how we could go, I'm sorry, I'm just going to fire away here for the next 15 minutes. And, you know, how, how we could go to the scripture of Jesus describing the white throne judgment. And he says, there'll be, the people will be separated like, like sheep from goats. He says, because, he says, the goats will be judged and burned. He says, but the sheep will make it in. He says, and he says, why are they called sheep? He says, because the ones that'll make it in, he says, because they were good to somebody. Somebody that had the right life behind the veil. Jesus said, in so much as you've done unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Because it's him behind the veil. And so he says, you visited me in prison. They said, when did we visit you? In so much as you did to these badger skins, you did it to me. Well, we, you, you, you gave me a glass of water when I was thirsty. When did we do that? Well, when you did it to the badger skins, you did it to me. Well, you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. Well, when did we ever do that to you? Well, when you did it to the badger skins, you did it to me. You didn't realize it. But now you're realizing it at the white throne judgment. When you went by Joe Walter's way and you helped him, there's a reward for that. Because that was just a badger skin. But I was behind that badger skin. I was behind this badger skin. Amen. I was behind that badger skin. When someone came by and helped you, they didn't know they were doing it to the Lord. And maybe you didn't even know they were doing it to the Lord. But it was God veiled behind you. It was the mighty God dwelling in your life. And sometimes we have a problem accepting that even of our own selves. And that's the revelation that God's trying to get to us. It's not you, like he's trying to get to Moses. It's not the skin, Moses. It's not your lack of ability. It's not that you've forgotten everything. It's not that you can't speak. It's not this. It's not that. Listen, if you'll just offer your badger skin to me, I'll make it a tabernacle. Amen. Hallelujah. If you'll just offer your badger skin to me, it doesn't matter what the scars are on the skin. It doesn't matter what the skin's been through. It doesn't matter how inadequate the skin is. It's not the skin. It's the God behind the skin. Hallelujah. Trying to get that revelation into the church. Glory to God. And just the same as, as it was a reward to those that did something for the badger skins without maybe realizing it. Neither will it be an excuse in that day for Caiaphas to say, I didn't recognize him. 
The skin blinded me. There was no beauty that I, it wasn't my idea of what God should be like. That'll be no excuse. When Pilate says, oh, I didn't know it was God. I didn't know it was just a simple man, humble man. There was no beauty. There was nothing special about him. He was just like every other Jew. There was nothing. They brought him. He said he was equal with God. They had a dispute against him. Honest. It was an honest mistake. That's no excuse. It was God behind that skin. And Jesus says in the white throne judgment, insomuch that you didn't do this to me. To the least of my brethren, rather. You didn't do it to me. There's no excuse to not recognize It's not an excuse. So then we want to treat everybody as though they're a badger skin. Amen? We want to make sure, Brother Branham said in one place, cankerworm, palm worm, caterpillar, locust, he says, he says, I've been honest with you. I want to be honest. I'll be honest with God. And if I'm not honest with you, I can't be honest with God. Because you're the purchase of his blood. And the way I treat you, that's my attitude towards God. Lord, help us. I'm going to need to change gears here. Can I bring it down to where we live here? Let me just speak to you about a few men on this earth. We just lost a friend, Brother Hildebrandt. I counted it a privilege in my life to be placed between two giants. I came into the message through this church, but then God moved me north, and I was cl- actually closer to Edmonton than I was to here, so had more opportunity to be in Edmonton than I did to be here. And I always counted it a privilege to have these two great men of God as positive influences in my formative years. And now when I travel overseas, no offense to anybody else, lots of people have opinions of themselves and that's fine, but I want you to know when I travel overseas, I don't hear a lot of names of preachers that you or I might be acquainted with here in North America that we view as great preachers. I hear two names more than any other names. Harold Hildebrandt, Ed Biskel. Those are the two names I hear the most. Does that surprise you? These are men. One of them's gone on, one is still with us. Both of them badger skins. All right? And I see the works that were established are not the works of a man. We're coming up to the 50th anniversary. I I don't know if I have any other time to say anything, so I might say a few things now. 
These are not the works of a man. These are the works of God. I travel different countries, as you know, and I hear testimonies of people that remind me when Brother Biscoe came to this country or Brother Hildebrandt is a saint in this country or a patriarch or a father or, or such and such a thing. And, and uh, when, when Brother Biscoe helped us here or when Brother Hildebrandt did this or these were rugged men. And I want to talk about Brother Hildebrandt first. Brother Hildebrandt was a rugged man. I don't know if you knew him. I knew him real well. Let me just say it this way. He, he helped me very much in the early years to overcome my feeling of worthlessness. He showed me respect that I didn't feel that I was due. The first minister's meeting that I ever spoke was at his convention, at a very young age, actually. The acquaintance that I met with good brethren from overseas was through Brother Hildebrandt, and, and he also helped me many times up in Grand Prairie and Dawson Creek back in the early days. But he was a rugged man. His badger skin offended some people. Is that okay to say that? Sometimes it may have been hard to see God behind the badger skin. Like the tabernacle, like Jesus. But now that we have laid that badger skin into the grave, not the man, but the skin, as we have now laid that to the grave, we realize that the works were the works of God. That truly it was God behind that badger skin. And as, we, as I identify, and, and certainly I, you could say I've built on the foundation that Brother Hildebrand has laid in Uganda. Not I, but many men have built on that. I'm just saying I'm part of that. And, and so many of the things that were done, are done now are done on the basis that somebody laid a correct foundation. And as Paul said, there is only one foundation, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Specifically, the revelation of the Son of Man for our day. And so we realize and, and give honor and look back at a, at a skin there that was a badger skin. I don't need to say much about our pastor because you all know him well. Some of you have been here from the beginning, from the church, uh, the little house, Brother Gill, and Sister Karen, and different places. And you've seen Brother Biscoll over the years. There's much, I'm sure, that will be said next week about Brother Biscoll. And we're not gathering next week to glorify a man, though some may think it that way. But that's not what it's about. It's about recognizing that God lives behind that badger skin. Is that okay? I, I have to confess, I, I didn't, never really had a problem seeing past the badger skin in Brother Biscoll. 
Maybe some did. I'm sure some did. Some maybe saw the flaws, as we all have flaws. What was the message he preached? The beauty of the flaw or something like that. The value of the flaw. Thank you. You know, sometimes those flaws are there for a reason. As Brother Brown says, sometimes things are said and things are done to chase people away. And we don't realize it. But it's for a purpose. And we, you know, we all want a church of 10,000 people. Because Brother Brown said numbers are just human inspiration. Sorry. That's, that's what Brother Brown said. We all want great big numbers. But you know what? It's more important that you see God behind the badger skin. I want, and again, I don't want to... I'm sure Brother Tom will have much to say next week about what God has done through the years. You can just look at the things that God has done here through years. You can look at the things that God has done overseas. I talked to a young man not after I moved back to Cloverdale in 2012. And uh, it was a young man that left the church here that had decided he no longer wanted to be under the ministry here. And I had a conversation with him. And he had much to say of the reasons that he left. And so I, I stopped him and I said, just a moment, I want to ask you a question. And there's been people that have left this church over the years. I said to him, I said, Brother Ed Biscoll and Brother Tom Ray, because you were also in the conversation, I said, are they men of God or are they not men of God? He paused for a moment, and in all the things he had on his mind, he said, yes, they are men of God. I said, thank you. That's all I want to hear from you. I don't want to discuss a badger skin. I want to discuss the God behind the badger skin. It's not the natural that we're concerned with. One day, this natural will be gone. One day, this body, this tabernacle, this badger skin, hallelujah, one day, it'll be flawless. <laughs> Just think of that day. I was, I was telling the saints in Edmonton, I just preached here on the breath of heaven, I said, Brother Harold took his first breath in heaven. What did that feel like? How that must have felt for him to be out of that body racked with Parkinson's disease and all of the battles that he had had over the last number of years of his life. But he just stepped across the curtain of time and said, no more. Hallelujah. Pain, no more. Suffering, no more. Being misunderstood, no more. There'll be no more misunderstandings over there. Oh, we'll not look at one, at one another's. I don't even think we'll call it a badger skin on that side. Because it'll be a permanent dwelling place. It'll be a perfectly carved and fitted temple of the stones of God. 
Hallelujah. We'll look at one another and say, you fit perfectly. Amen. Amen. You're flawless. My, how wonderfully God made you. How tremendous it is. What a work of God he did in your life. What he brought you from. He brought you from the old, the old what do they call that uh, uh, place, gravel pit or whatever it is, stone quarry. And, and, the, and the great sculptor went there and he carved you out perfectly. And he took you and he put you into the temple of God. And you know what? You fit perfectly. Because he knows what he's doing. He's got it all under control. We look past the badger skin. And one day, you know, Brother Biscoll is not getting any younger. He's probably watching tonight or he will be streaming in the future if he, if he was weak tonight. He's getting weaker, folks. I'm getting weaker. You're getting weaker. That's just the way life is. And as we all get weaker, we realize it's not what the flesh is. It's the life on the inside that drives us forward. It's the life on the inside that puts us into our place. It's the life on the inside that I want to stay in the forefront of. And I don't want the badger skin to be in the way if the Lord will help me. And one day, uh, may the Lord just come soon. And may the Lord grant it that we'll all be changed. And there'll be no more of us. May, may there be no more funerals. All right, let me put it that way. May there be no more uh, burials on this side. May it just be a soon coming of the Lord that this mortal will put on immortality. And we'll never have to go the way of grief and of sorrow and of pain and of suffering and all those kind of things. But if there is one more, if there is two more, it doesn't matter. Because when they step across the curtain of time, they'll never be imperfect again. Hallelujah. And those that are on this side that have any spiritual discernment will say, it truly was God behind that badger skin. I want to finish with one more man, maybe catch you off guard a little bit here. I want to talk about our brother Fred Chienji from Uganda. Had an unusual experience at Easter time this year, a very unusual experience. Brother Fred is a, a wonderful brother. He's been here. Personality, marvelous. I wish I had half his personality. You know, he's just a lovely brother and, and just a real man of God, loves this message and has given his life. He's been racked in his body with diabetes and has been weak. You know, the, the diet over in Uganda is not very good. Amen, Michael? What they eat over there is not something that is good for your body. Many of them become diabetics in the older ages and things. And Brother Fred's not that old. I think he's around 50. Maybe a little bit past. Maybe not. But he's been viewed by the brethren in that country, the message believers in that country, as being too Pentecostal. They've looked at him the way he's pastored his church, the way he's conducted his worship, the way he's had his choir to sing, and the way the boys, his boys, sing music, and uh, his, brother, his son Joseph's a wonderful song leader, and and uh, his son Moses is a preacher, and, and his other son, Freddie Jr., is, is very good at a number of things. And, 
But people have been critical of the way maybe he wasn't, let me just say it this way, maybe he wasn't message enough. Whatever that means. And so he's had to endure these criticisms over the year, but he's just kept with what God has made him. Well, all of a sudden, God begins to move amongst Pentecostal people. And God says, I need a vessel prepared that these Pentecostal people can relate to. And so this, we'll call him a little obscure brother. God now puts his hand on him because he has a certain voice that we used to be the audio voice of Brother Branham in that country and on the radio broadcast. And he becomes the center of this awakening that begins to happen in Uganda in 2018. And all of a sudden, he's invited out to Pentecostal churches. Now, if you and I went to Pentecostal churches, well, I don't know about you. If I went to a Pentecostal church, I was raised in a Pentecostal church, so I know what they're all about. I, I understand where they're coming from. But, but yet, in the midst of all of that, if most of us went there, we would not really understand their way of worship. Even though you might say, well, aren't they just like us? No, they're not like us. All right, they, they have their own way of doing things. They have their own emphasis of different things. But God had a man that could just bring them ever so gently into the message of the hour. God had a man that could just lay out the fundamentals of the message and not make it so deep that it would go over their heads, but just bring them into the rudiments of the word and show them the truth of the original sin and the Godhead and baptism and different things. And, and so much so that the name Fred Chienji became the number one enemy of the Pentecostal churches in Uganda. Till even there were people that were following him. For what purposes, we don't know. But they wanted his destruction. Now, one of the churches that came into the message in the early years, uh, we built them a structure last year, was a church in Nansana. And in Nansana, they, they have about 100 believers, 80 to 100 believers in the church there in Nansana. But it was kind of a, 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 how do we say that, a thorn in the side of the denominational churches because it was a, a church that was used as kind of a center of gatherings of different places and there were several churches around that had also come into the message. And so, so it was kind of a center of the awakening that was going on. It was one of the centers and so they, the, the Pentecostals decided to target it, Okay. And so they, they, just before Easter, they set up a stage with a huge sound system right across the street from the church. And they said, we're going to stay here till they leave. And they had meetings every night. It was so loud, they couldn't have church service. It, it was so obnoxious. And they were just, they were, they were saying things over the pulpit, naming Brother Fred by name. Calling the message, of course, a cult. We've all heard that one. And, and saying different things about it, whether it was... Uh, he used a new name that I wasn't familiar with. Um, I can't even think of the name of it. Uh, Illuminati. There it is. Illuminati. Uh, that we were the Illuminati and, and uh, all kinds of different accusations. I know it's kind of funny to us, but 
you know, that was their accurate. But they were, you know, superstition, sowing superstition in the minds of the people. And they were determined that they were going to destroy this work in Nansana. And so the brothers didn't really know what to do. And I was contacted and I just told them, look, this is do what you feel led to do. God's on our side. You just watch what happens. God's going to do something here. And I don't know what he's going to do. I says, but I'll pray for you. But I'm not there. You're the ones that are there. So you do whatever you feel led to do. So the brother, he gathered some of the new ministers in the area. And they just went house to house and began to witness to the people and tell them, you know, this is what we're really all about. Begin to give them literature. And this is what the message really stands for. And this is who we are. And so they just began to witness in the community. Now that the, the, the visuality, I guess, or the, the, the profile had been raised of the message, maybe not necessarily in a good way. After a while, it continued on, and finally, Brother Fred said, you know, I need to talk to the authorities. And so he went in to talk to the mayor, and the mayor was a Muslim man. And so Brother Fred was talking to the mayor, and, he, and the mayor says, well, what do they have against you? And he said, well, he says, we don't believe in the Trinity. And the Muslim mayor says, you don't believe in three gods like they do? And he said, no, we believe in one God. All of a sudden, the mayor was on their side. <laughs> you just say the right thing, right? And so the mayor says, well, I'd like to do something, but you know, I'm kind of bound by political because the Pentecostals are very strong in the national government. He says, so I can't just shut them down, but I need to, to gain some grassroots support. Brother Fred says, oh, well, actually, we've already taken care of that. We've actually already been going door to door to tell the people what we're all about and, the, and tell the people what the message is all Oh, he says, you have. Yes, we have. Oh, well. He, sa he says, then, uh, I guess we'll do something. And, and to make a long story short, the, the mayor uh, uh, sends out his, his deputies or his police officers to go and tell the Pentecostal people, shut down your meetings. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, Brother Fred says, great, we'll just go to having meetings now. That wasn't the end of it. So they were going to go back to the church to have meetings, and the mayor calls him up, and he says, uh, Mr. Chienji, he says, uh, there's one step that's lacking here. He says, oh, what is that? He says, you need to go and have meetings in that same location. And you need to tell the people what you stand for. This is a Muslim mayor telling Brother Fred, you need to go preach on the same spot that the Pentecostals were preaching on. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Brother Fred says, well, we don't have any money, so we can't afford a big stage and a, and a sound system and all that kind of stuff. And the mayor said, I'll give you the money. I'll, sorry, I'll give you the equipment. We'll rent the equipment for you. We'll put the stage up. We'll put the speakers up and you have a meeting. Hallelujah. So now this little church that holds 100 people, all of a sudden we're having meetings across the street on a stage with the sound systems that was drawing so many people, the police had to come and direct traffic. There was over 1,500 people in the meetings besides those that were hearing the sound in the outlying areas. All right? And so in all of that now, the word went out, and this was now Easter weekend. They preached Friday, they preached Saturday. It didn't end there. 
Now they, they were shutting down for Sunday to go back to the church, but by now the news media had arrived. And the television cameras were there. And the radio station was there. And, and all, everybody wanted to know what was this that was going on. They were hoping for some controversy between the two, they call it sects, of Christianity. And so they wanted to get some controversial statement. And so they came to Brother Fred and they said, you know, what do you say about this group that used to be here that was telling your group that it was this and this and this and this? Brother Fred says, look, I'm not going to say nothing against anybody. That's not what I'm about. That's not what this message is about. He says, I, I, I'm not going to say anything controversial. I'm not going to say anything against them. So don't ask me any of those questions because I'm not going to say nothing. And so, uh, so they went to the news media the news media interviewed him, and we have the clip from the television station right here for you. So I'm sorry, but I'm going to let you watch TV during the church service. <laughs> so. You're watching Morning at NTV. Sorry. Still at morning at NTV, Priscilla Regina here, Chrissy Genu. We continue on with your morning, but again, keep warm. Now, Easter is done and dusted. We can pretty much say it's a wrap-up, but different clergies across the country and in different sects of faith had something or two to actually say in commemoration of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at our Easter wrap here on morning at NTV. modern world see a kind of a commemoration for the people to understand that Jesus Christ when he came here mm. the great gift that God gave humanity yeah. is the eternal life because people says that we all fulfill sort of the glory of God so the modern people today what I would like to remind them as they are dancing as they are rejoicing they should know all their joy should be in the word of the hour yeah. check yourself are you baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Check yourself. Are your celebrations in the word of the hour? Yeah. All your celebrations are just taking you away, miles far away from the word, as you have heard from the word there. That there's time for restoration now. We have encouraged the people to understand that Easter is not just a mere day, but it is something, I can say it is now eternal, because it came from being just one day, and it is now in eternal life. Yeah. Once a person accepts Christ as his personal savior, and you tell Christ in your own heart, that's the resurrection. Mm. So we celebrate Easter by the word of God. Amen. That was a national television broadcast. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, the, the Pentecostals wanted to shut them down, and lo and behold, it became a national thing. Not only that, he was able to preach, have you been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? This is about eternal life. Have you received the word of the hour? Amen. Just something that will go across those television waves into somebody's homes unexpectedly. Not just that. Now, let me just say it this way. The final act was Sunday morning. 
where the little church of 100 became 500 people. And out of those 500 people, over 50 have already been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you, as the musicians come, was that a man or was that God behind badger skins? We look at it and say, oh, well, you know, I might not do it this way. I might not do it that way. But God picks the badger skin that he wants to live behind. And God dwells with his people in that way. The, the awakening in Uganda is not Brother Fred. It's not Brother Stephen, it's not Brother James, Brother Elijah, Brother Hannington, Brother Emmanuel, Brother Wilson, Brother Sampson. I could go on and list names, Brother Don, you know, different ones. It's not these brothers, it's God behind those badger skins. It's God reaching out into those countries. When you go in your job this week, tomorrow, whatever you're doing tomorrow, just remember, you might have a badger skin, but it's God behind you. What does he want to do? When you're in your workplace, you might think, I, I, there's been many times I should have witnessed, but I never witnessed. But let the God behind the badger skin speak through the veil. Amen. Let the God behind the badger skin bring the word to pass in the hour that we're living in. Let's stand together. How great is our God? How great is his word? I want to sing that the splendor of a king robed in majesty. Amen. It's A, a flat is the key. How great is our God? How great is His majesty? We're, we're about to enter into 50th anniversary meetings. 50 years of not a man, of God in a man. 50 years of God revealing Himself through Brother Biscoe. 50 years been here 50 years not quite 47 47 years of God in a man how long have you been here how long have you been walking with God some of you come from Africa some of you come from different places I came here I came through the Okanagan came here went up north came back here now I'm everywhere I don't know where's home to me it's just a badger skin but let it be God behind the badger skin. When I go to Ethiopia, let it be God. When I go to Uganda, let it be God. Well, whoever steps up behind this pulpit, Brother Mike said, 80 Wednesday nights rather than one Sunday, huh? I'm sorry, that was just the badger skin. But when I, when I see these young men step up behind the pulpit, I'm looking for the God behind the badger skin. They got their young ways about them. We all did. They're learning how to conduct themselves under the anointing of the Lord. We still are. We're all learning that way. How to keep this badger skin in the right channel so the anointing of God can flow. So the word can go out and heal the sick. So the word can go out and deliver the captive. So the word can go out and set you free and give you peace and pour in joy and let you know that God loves you. Amen. We're just trying to keep these badger skins out of the way. 
so the splendor of our King can shine through. And as we rejoice over 50 years, if I, if I don't talk to you again for two weeks, that's fine with me. But it's just a matter of, I just like to sit back. I don't even know what the program is yet. I've been gone while they've been planning all of this. I've been out of town. And I'm looking forward to it. I hope you're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, but let's remember one thing. Let's rejoice in what God has done. Amen. The splendor of a king. meditating the last couple weeks or the last week or so on God using men every man that God used God made him in a way that would maybe offend some drive some away 
But at the same time, it was God behind that badger skin. Let me just tell you tonight, before we go to prayer, some people won't like you. Is that okay? Some, for some, you'll be too coarse. And for some, you'll be too soft. You won't be the way that everybody likes. That's just the reality of the badger skin. But I think tonight as we come to the close of this service, we want to say, Lord, however possible, let me keep the badger skin out of the way and let the life behind the badger skin come forth. Let's bow our heads together. I think we want to all believe, Lord, let the words that I speak not be of the badger skin, but let the words be of the God behind the badger skin. Lord, let the atmosphere that I create, let it not be an atmosphere of the badger skin, but let it be the atmosphere of the Shekinah glory behind the badger skin. Everything that I do, oh God, the decisions that I make, the thoughts that I think, what I allow in my mind, let it not be those of a badger skin, but let it be the Almighty that dwells behind the badger skin. Let people see you, Lord, and not me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we stand in your presence tonight. We, all, we would all say, Lord, I would say, Lord, we, everybody, Father, there's been times we've been dissatisfied with the badger skin. There's been times we've been disappointed in the badger skin. There's been times we felt constrained by the limitations of the badger skin. But Lord, it's the only skin you give us to live in. And so we want to pray, Lord, bring this badger skin subject to your presence, O God. Let this flesh be subject to your word, O Lord. Let my life be entirely in your hands. And let me not look at the skin or the flesh or the life or the scars as some kind of an excuse. But rather, Lord, let me just let you live out your purpose in my life, O God. Have your way, Lord. Take away the complexes, oh God. Lord, soothe over the scars, oh God. Pour in the ointment, Lord. Bring forth the life of your majesty. Oh Lord, take complete control of every badger skin. Let everybody go from this place, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Lord, there's a badger skin tonight that hasn't received the Holy Spirit. Maybe they thought their badger skin wasn't good enough. May you come behind the badger skin tonight, Lord. May you fill them with the Holy Ghost, oh God. May you break through into their heart of hearts and quicken them within. And let the life of the Word be manifest within each and every one, Lord. I pray, Father, you just pour out your Spirit tonight and glorify your name, Lord. I commit everything into your hands, Father. Take this little service tonight and may people meditate on it like I've been doing for the last couple weeks. So many things could be said on this subject. But Lord, in the little time we had, may it be pleasing to you.
to use what is said to reveal your word. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Can you give me the key of C? Amazing grace shall always be my That's the only way I'm going to make it, is by His grace. By His grace, we're going to make it. Not according to our badger skins, but according to His grace. If you want to hear the whole story of, of, uh, and see the pictures and the video of what just happened in Uganda at Easter, we just put an article on the website. You can see it on the missions website. There's a link there to the podcast. You'll hear Brother Fred tell the story himself. And so, God bless you. Look beyond the badger skin this week. If you have trouble with somebody's badger skin, say, Lord, help me see the God behind the badger skin. And look beyond the faults and see what you saw. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.